Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Thanks for coming. If you could all find your seats, please, um, before we get started with today's service, we have an announcement to make. Um, and I, uh, you know, in a, in a posture of humility, I'm going to turn it over to Josh to read our official statement on the matter at hand. Thanks, Stephen. Hey, everyone. Um, we didn't think this day would come, but we owe you an apology and an explanation. Stephen, for a long time, has been of the sacramental opinion that water does not count as a beverage, and I have joined him in this theological camp throughout our show. We have held together that water should not formally count as a beverage unless it included flavor, bubbles, and or a garnish. Even though we have had our disagreements with Emily on this contentious, tangentially baptismal issue, we have decided that this should be a agree-to-disagree topic for our show. This last week, a beloved listener and friend pointed out that on episode two, Stephen says that his beverage is, quote, a big bottle of water. That's delicious. Are you guys drinking anything? I'm drinking a big bottle of water. <laughs> Excellent. Fortunately, this theological misstep was foretold in accordance with the prophetic word delivered in episode one, where I gave a hedge of protection for the future misstep that I foresaw Stephen taking. Amen. Or you've been listening to us for years, in which case I am so sorry for everything you've had to endure with us together. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry for that really controversial thing that Stephen ended up saying uh, a year in. That was really terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> So please forgive us. We had Very no idea sad. that was coming. <laughs> a heartbreaking, a heartbreaking departure from my regular <laughs> kind of shtick, you know. <laughs> Regardless, Stephen is absolutely ashamed, and will be taking this opportunity to reflect on his actions. That's right. He intends to be a host of this podcast for many years to come, and will be seeking godly counsel on the path of healing, reconciliation, and repentance. Myself and Emily and all of our beloved patrons fully support Stephen in this time of sabbatical and respite, and we pray earnestly for his return to leadership. We will be holding a special reconciliation service for Stephen and his partner Dixie to help them cling to Jesus and each other during this time. Mm. After his season of repentance, we will bring Stephen in with our Ravel elder board, myself and Emily, for a period of discernment to determine if and when Stephen has spent enough time one-on-one -on -one with the Lord to return to ministry. I think it goes without saying that we do not take this matter lightly, and we ask all of you for your prayers and support during this unprecedented time, and we thank God for your honoring our request for privacy and discretion for Stephen and the entire Henning family. At this time, I'd like to ask our pastor, Emily, the, the right reverend, no, excuse me, the reverend Emily Reddinghouse to offer a word of prayer for our brother and leader in Christ, Stephen Henning. Emily? Thank you so much, Josh and Stephen. First, I want to address everyone in saying, though I hold no hatred or ill will towards my brother in Christ, Stephen, I must say it does feel really nice to have the air cleared in this matter. We may have theological differences when it comes to the sustenance which graces our lips and gives us much flavor and much joy as we drink our beverages away. I hope that one day we can come to an understanding that water, be it garnished, fizzy, or fruity, 
or plain, whether it come from a bottle or a glass or a pitcher or a jug, it still gives us the very sustenance that we so desperately require. And God is present in this moment. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, God of water, God of spirit, God who moves within us, through us, and around us. We give you thanks for this day as we gather in this space. We lift ourselves up in gratitude that we have come to see not only the error of Stephen's ways, but we welcome him graciously with forgiveness, with understanding, and with love in our hearts. We ask that you be present with Stephen and Dixie during this traumatic earth-shifting time as they come to grapple with this understanding of water whether it be a beverage or not we know that you are a god who transcends above all theological understanding we ask that you continue to show your favor upon stephen and dixie and that whatever comes from this matter through discernment through prayer and through community we ask that you continue to guide us in the ways that lead to life-giving, loving waters. Waters that are cleansing, purifying, holistic, and true. In your wonderful Son, Jesus Christ's name, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Trigger warning, I guess? <laughs> oh my God, it was so hard for me not to laugh that. at that. <laughs> that at the uh, top. I, oh my God, you guys, that was probably the funniest <laughs> thing we've ever done. I like to think so. <laughs> I do want to say, now that we Oh are, my mm-hmm. word. Um, Stephen, apology accepted. And from here on out, that, just know, yeah. just know when I drink uh-huh, water, uh-huh. it will count as a beverage. So, yeah, no, acknowledge. Emily, I almost lost it when you said God of water. <laughs> That was amazing. Oh, that was so funny. All right. Well done. Wow. Hey, he's back. Reconciliation over. We're back. We did it. We followed the formula. We took back. We took a long time between those two recordings. No, we didn't. That's just podcast magic. Um Mm -hmm. but here we are. We're doing it. We're making another episode. Here we be. Could I may I ask permission to just share what I'm drinking first? I you think you, I think you've earned that. I think that this only makes sense for um, the testimony of well, your faith. So in the beverage, uh, I have I have a trinity of beverages on my side table today. Oh, that's fun! I uh, I am finishing the uh, the bottom of a can of Miller High Life, the champagne of beers that I enjoyed with my dinner with my wife. And right next to that, I have a uh, a steamy mug of honey lavender yogi tea that I'm going to enjoy shortly once the beer is over. And then, mm. of course, keeping with the theme of today and really leaning in to the lessons I've learned through my uh, my experience of repentance, I have a bottle of water. All right. That was me clapping. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Way to just change theological camps on me, but whatever. Listen. Um, you know, it's one thing to repent and stick to your guns, but it's another thing to like repent and then just completely change Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stephen was raveling out his faith. All right. If anything, he was the epitome of what this podcast is for. You know what? Point taken. I'll take that. That God of and water all- prayer really hit me. <laughs> well, in the true nature of this podcast, in the other direction, um, I'm only drinking two drinks. I am drinking a staycation IPA from Thirsty Street Brewing in Billings, Montana, which is among the first IPAs that I've ever tried. And I feel like I should clarify that it does not taste like an IPA. It is juicy and fruity, and it's really good. I don't drink IPAs, and I love this. Kind of a throwback uh, to philosophy since yes. we, used, we used to do that at Thirsty Street. I've drinking that beer many a time over a good philosophical quandary. Absolutely. And then I'm also drinking, and I have no idea if this is going to complement the episode or not, I'm drinking a Liquid Death Severed Lime Edition, and I've never tried Liquid Death before. Oh. But I would argue it does count as a drink because it is flavored. I'm still of that opinion. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I'm not a heretic here. No, it's fine. It's all good. 
<laughs> what about you, Emily? So, uh, oddly enough, I'm drinking only one beverage uh, on this fine evening in which we are recording. And it is a wonderful mug of Tetley British Blend tea with milk and honey. And it is delightful. Ooh. Yes. Flowing yes. from the promised land itself. Hallelujah. Um, so, it's my topic. And I feel like I haven't picked a topic in forever, but I've been sitting on this one for quite some time. And I think it's time we talk about it. And so tonight, our topic is miracles. The idea of miracles. Oh, wow. Yes. I really don't have like a specific question. I don't have an agenda with this topic. I don't want to prove or disprove miracles, but I'm curious about the idea of miracles because I had someone, a wonderful dear friend of mine who uh, is a member of this church, come in and we were talking about prayers and this idea of if prayers aren't answered or if prayers are answered, is there possibility or room for miracles and if prayers are then not answered are there no such thing as miracles are miracles chosen is that dictated by god all things of all that kind of nature so the floor is open what do we well about miracles well, maybe a little teaser. Um, we are in the process. I don't know if this has already come out or if it will be about to come out, but we are reviewing the documentary, The Finger of God, um, which is all about miracles. I can't believe you made me watch and that. And I forced <laughs> I forced Stephen and Emily to watch it. Um, so like we're, we're going to do like a whole bonus episode review on that movie specifically. So maybe stay tuned for that. Maybe we won't like venture down the road of that movie on this episode. But I have a, I have a lot of opinions about miracles, I think. And one of the, maybe just to like steal one line from the movie, which is not really because I've heard other people say this, in the Pentecostal and charismatic circles, I think the ones that are especially touched by Bethel and IHOP, you'll sometimes hear this phrase that I think is interesting. And the phrase is, oh, I need to get this right. A healing is a gradual miracle and a miracle is an instant healing. Mm. And I think that that's interesting. Like, I think that that's an interesting, like, circular logic that maybe isn't the worst definitions. But I also think that it's very focused on, like, physical and ailment healings versus, like, I think in the history of the Christian church, many things have been attributed as miracles, but aren't necessarily associated with, like, physical change. So I feel like, I feel like some people will talk about miracles as physical healings like that we might see in the story of the Bible uh, in the ministry of Jesus and other people might talk about miracles as like uh, visitations or visions or whatever so I feel like there is a little bit of Christian disagreement about miracles I think that's kind of interesting yeah yeah I I think I also have many opinions about miracles what I don't have an opinion on yet and maybe it would be a good question for us to explore first is who are miracles for? Ah. Because I think, especially in the example you're talking about, Josh, the f- physical miracles are like the healing of ailments. I think you could pretty clearly argue that that miracle is for the person being healed. Mm. Though at the same time, it's interesting to me that Jesus very often uses a miracle to both yes, I'm going to heal a blind person, but then I'm also going to ask them to be, well, it's interesting. Sometimes he's like, don't tell anyone, be quiet about it. Don't let the word get out. But in other times, like you cast out the demon from the guy with Legion and the demons go in the pigs. And then he's like, go and tell your village that you, you know, like the person Yes, the miracle was for the person who had the demons exercised from them, but they also, it was also kind of for the community that would then bear witness to it or somehow like allow that miracle to spread throughout the community, which is very, that's interesting to me. I also wonder if some people, 
I think I've heard this and I don't know how I feel about it, but some people say that miracles are actually for God. And that is like almost like a, maybe like a testimony tool or like, Mm. uh, Mm. like proof. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm saying that right, but yeah, I mean like when I was growing up, okay. So I grew up in circles that were very, not necessarily Pentecostal by definition, but very like Pentecostally informed. So like I would say that most of the like speakers and people who are Christian that were around me would probably have erred on the side of yes, miracles and healings can happen and we can pray for them sort of theology. And I think that more often than not, anybody who talked about the theology of healings and miracles were often talking about it in the terms that you're talking about it, Stephen, in terms of like God will heal someone to show them how much God loves them as a proof of their salvation or maybe just to like draw them closer or even out of compassion Um, or like sway a hardened heart. Yeah. Something like that. And I think that those theologies are very logical. I want to say like they feel very common sense, but I think I'm of the opinion now that I don't think miracles are for anyone necessarily because I'm not convinced I believe in miracles. So I don't oh. think they can be for something like just mm-hmm. because something happens that is unexplained. Um, maybe I should caveat this. Like I, I actually think it can be pretty healthy psychologically for someone to spiritualize something that happened to them. Um, say for instance, someone is terminally ill and they're diagnosed as terminally ill. And then their community is praying for them. And then a month later, the doctors are like, hey, we're not sure how, but you're not terminally ill anymore. And if that person attributes it to God on a spiritual level, I don't think that's bad, even though there's no way to prove that that was God scientifically. Mm, like, yeah. I actually think that that can be healthy for someone to have like a, a compassionate view of God in their struggle and strife. Mm. Mm-hmm. But even though I I don't believe that we can scientifically prove either way, I think that it's okay to have that spiritual view. So all of that to say, I think that people who believe in miracles, whether it happens to them or not, I think people who believe in that typically have a very compassionate view of God, which is very different from like that angry punitive view of God, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I, I think that that's very interesting. Yeah. In talking about miracles, the first thing that came to mind, and Josh actually shared a Prince of P, uh, Prince of Egypt reference on our social media, but it made me think of the song that's in the movie. <laughs> it's a beautiful song. It's one of my favorites of all time. But the line that I think stands out the most is, there can be miracles when you believe. It's not there are miracles, it's there can be. And what's interesting Mm. is what you were speaking to a moment ago, Josh, the idea of miracles happening to people dependent on their their faith. And it's almost like a test of faith, you know, per se. Mm. But I think what's interesting is you could have two people who have the same amount, I guess, to put it in really bad terms, same amount of faith, right? They believe in the same things. They could both become terminally ill and only one of them could miraculously be healed. Does that mean then that other person isn't deserving of a miracle when you put it in that frame? I think that's like the most dangerous way to take that theology because it it not only just like leaves you vulnerable to shame, it is Mm -hmm. it is actively inviting shame inside the community to be like yeah <laughs> if we oh i believe, agree a hundred percent if it's hinged on the belief mm-hmm. and and then it doesn't happen then it is immediately like well what's wrong with you you must not have enough mm-hmm. or you're not believe enough yeah. or you didn't learn enough you know like ugh, yikes yeah it is yikes that's a really nice way to put it and i've heard that too often not in specific methodist churches just in general from conversations that I've had with people, it makes me feel very ill. Like I, my stomach churns when I hear mm. people say that because I think one, that is harmful Two, 
it creates this idea that prayer and hope are basically non-essential and that self-fulfilling prophecies matter more Hmm. because people then have this idea of, well, see, I prayed and nothing happened. I told you this would happen. Why, Why bother? That can be very toxic, especially if you are in a place of doubt and questioning your faith and having something very different happening to you and a miracle doesn't happen or it doesn't happen in a way that you want it to, which I think Mm. people also want to limit the idea of what a miracle looks like. If it's not this big grandiose event, Wow, you know, then it's like, well, that's not really a miracle. That's just like luck or yeah you know it's just by chance is it gold teeth or gemstones or gold dust on the crotch then it's not a miracle wow okay (laughs) reference to the movie sorry yes yes no Um, look to the bonus episode for it that's emily that's really fascinating i love the way you're framing that of like the like if your expectation of a miracle based on a prayer is such that like you will be extremely discouraged when it doesn't happen. Like that idea of like a failed prayer for miracle disincentivizes further prayer across the board because then you start thinking that no one's listening. At least I'm taking it that far. I mean, I've experienced that myself. Oh, okay. So like, I guess like, like your reframe of that just like made that click for me. Like, I kind of see what you're saying now. I have like a fun version of how that. <gasps> I want to hear both. Feel, but yeah. All right. Well, my my very quick example is I used to read the the passage uh, about the like faith, like a mustard mustard seed. Like if you had that much uh-huh. faith, you can like move a mountain. <sighs> and I literally was 100 percent convinced that I had enough faith to move a mountain. And I would I would try to do the 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 force on on hills and stuff i mean who among us has not prayed for a mountain to move <laughs> literally, literally or like i literally want to move that thing like i want the force <laughs> like the skywalkers <laughs> that's really funny yeah it's kind of disappointing when you learn that doesn't actually happen <laughs> hmm. that's my goofy version josh i don't know if you have like a very serious version that i accidentally just like lifted us into goofy town go josh um so, okay, couple stories. Please. I remember sitting at a coffee shop in Billings, Montana, and my buddy in college has some, he had like a bunch of like physical problems and he had like particularly like sprained his ankle really bad and because his, of like one of his chronic conditions, it was like worse than like it would be for a normally abled person. And I, I think I was like fresh back from a conference, you know, like kind of right in that spiritual high. And, uh, I asked him if I could pray for it and I was feeling like particularly emboldened to like pray until it was actually healed. And uh, unlike the conference environment where um, people just, you know, seem to be miraculously healed, uh, there was no change, zero change after me praying multiple times and, you know, tried to play it cool, tried to play save face, uh, you know, tried to make like, like an explanation to myself at the time. And uh, to be honest, I think that having multiple moments like those is what started me to really question if God healed people Mm -hmm. or if anything like that happened at all. When like I had just gone through high school and gone through ministry school, 100% on board with that. And to be honest, that was probably like one of the more like faith shaking moments or like theological things for me. So I feel that on a personal level. And it it is really strange praying for people in some environments and like feeling like you see results and praying for people in other environments and very obviously not seeing results. It's very contrasting and it's a very unique experience, in my mm. opinion. Mm. One of my old conference pals, Kelly, um, recently told this story on the Woman Being podcast. And to be honest, I had forgotten about it until she mentioned this because they were they were talking about some of their experience at Bethel and like they were kind of talking around the subject a little bit. So I, w- I was reminded of this happening at the conference we were at. And the long story short of it is um, this kid who had scoliosis, like very obvious scoliosis, like had like rods in his back to like hold his spine in place and stuff, 
was like receiving prayer one night on a ministry night and like people were like really rallying around him, like praying for him. And people were like, like people thought they felt his spine move and that like he was being healed. And they even like had like a pastor go check him out in a back room, like take his shirt off and like, like feel along his spine. And so they like come back and they're like, yeah, his spine feels straighter. I, th- I think he's like getting healed. Like he says he's not in pain. And then later following up from the conference, like everyone's staying in touch with each other and He's like trying to keep people up to date about like how like, you know, they're going to the doctor and the doctors can't figure out why his spine is straight and all this stuff and like still like giving like good reports after the fact. And so like it felt it felt really validating actually because we were like, wow, like, well, can't deny that. Like can't deny someone's spine straightening out like that's different from the old foot growing, leg growing trick. Like that's a that's a tough one to deny. And uh, then I, I honestly can't remember how this got announced whether it was a social media post or like a big group message. But um, it turns out he very much did not feel healed after the fact and did not go to doctors. And his, even though like the next year, I think it was, I think this came out like way after because the next year I remember he brought back some of the like bolts and the rods that were in his back, like as proof. This phenomenon happens sometimes in those circles Mm. um, where you like bring like your, your previous like medical needs like crutches or a wheelchair as like evidence that God did something. And despite all of that, he ended up admitting that um, he didn't get healed and like his spine is still just as crooked and he's like in chronic pain again. And, and I think that like, not only like in the same way that you're talking, Emily, not only is like that then discouraging for him because like, I, I like to think that like he actually thought he was healed Mm-hmm. Like there's there's weird things that happen in the body with with adrenaline and social pressure and like our, our minds trick us sometimes and like that's that's okay to like know and accept um, yeah but like I imagine that that was then like a faith struggle for him later to be like well uh, like God probably can't heal anybody then because like I thought I was healed and I'm not and I'm not gonna pray for that ever again like I imagine that was pretty shaking and I just like nothing against him on this issue. Like, I think that there is like lots of factors in play here. Uh, but I just like, imagine like how many other people out there are in a similar situation. Like, I, I don't want to yeah, just say that they're right. faking it. Cause I think that some people like aren't doing it consciously or like they actually think that they're healed of something when there's not necessarily evidence that supports that. Yeah. Scientifically. Um, yeah. I think it can get really tricky for people. Mm-hmm. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there, and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. Unfortunately, that story feels, I guess that's kind of confirming a lot of my opinions already. Not that people are faking, but that it is completely within the realm of possibility that the healed at these events legitimately do feel something, something positive, right? And not just like the Mm -hmm. peer pressure or the expectation of a group to say like, are you healed? Like everyone is looking to confirm a bias in that moment of like, mm-hmm. well, you know, like his spine feels straighter according to this completely untrained non-medical professional. Like, 
<laughs> yeah. I like there's, there's so many things going on there. There's, there's peer pressure. I mean, quite honestly, there's just a lot of emotion. Like we did an episode about camps and uh, conferences mm-hmm. forever ago. It mannequins. Dissecting yeah. mannequins. And like, there is a lot of emotion that goes on in that. Like, and I've been part of camps that where I thought that like we were having a real moment and we were like secessionist reformed uh theologians in training and we we had a full night at one of our summer camps where like a few of us prayed in tongues that wasn't like shut down or anything like it was like emotions and energies run really high at these things i also think on a behavioral level i think it's very fair to say that a lot of these things are socially reinforced like i think that the miracles and healings thing is actually really similar to um people dedicating or rededicating their lives in that kind of like meeting arena setting like like for instance like i I think we talked about this before but like the stats would be really skewed if you actually measured and interviewed people on whether or not they had dedicated their lives to jesus before but it's just like socially reinforced and literally celebrated when someone like raises their hand. So you just like assume that they're new mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. right? Completely. And I think the same thing happens with healings and miracles, whether someone is consciously aware of it, like you are literally mm-hmm. celebrated when something is reported. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, right. I think that's really important. Like, I think that like, that's not a bad thing on its own. Like I think in like the context of a community and social environment, like, that is psychologically a good thing to like celebrate people and even like on a physical level, like celebrate healing, like whether you believe it was spiritual or not, like yeah. I think that can be very healthy. Right. Emily, what do you think about miracles? I absolutely believe they're real and kind of what I was saying earlier, they're not always these big grandiose moments you know, perfect for cinema, perfect for a novel type situation. I think Mm. miracles can and are take any form. And I think miracles are not a puppet on a string pulled by God. I think miracles happen in ways that are truly beyond our comprehension. And whether or not God is pulling a string, that's one thing. But I think there is something divine when it comes to miracles. And I think because of that, that's why I see miracles happening in small ways, in large ways, microscopic ways, macro ways. And what I think people sometimes fail to see with miracles is that miracles, it's okay for a miracle to be temporary. I think it's tempting to want miracles to be permanent and to be forever and to be unchangeable. And sometimes life happens, but that doesn't negate the fact that something miraculous happened, even if it was temporary or short-lived. So I think the story of that young man with his back, he might have experienced a miracle and he might have truly felt something shift and change and had less pain. I think that is a miracle to have such a burdening physical ailment such as scoliosis and for even a brief moment of time not have pain. That is a miracle in my opinion because it can be debilitating. It can be life altering. But I think when we want this huge moment of well suddenly he's standing up straight and absolutely pain-free and then he never reverted back well that would be a miracle but that temporary thing well that that wasn't really anything we're just going to dis- discount that you know hmm. miracles happen all the time we we hear of stories of miracles happening all the time and whether or not it's scientific spiritual or something in between i still see it as a miracle and like the job that I have, like as a pastor, you hear and see of miracles. Like I witness miracles all the time. And they're not always these big moments that are going to be Facebook worthy or 
you know, trending and articles are going to be written about them in the future. Sometimes miracles were just, they happened over the phone and it was short lived, but it was nonetheless still very special and very life giving. I think reconciliation is a miracle. Like to call back Absolutely. to our big <laughs> the beginning of this episode. Like I think reconciliation Absolutely. is like against human behavior. Like, I mean, we could have a whole discussion about that, but like I think it's against I mean, for that matter, like forgiveness in general is kind of a mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. I think that that's an a miracle. I think that the framing of whether or not something is miraculous is really interesting. Hmm. Like a woman who has discovered that her husband has been living a secret life and she recovers and heals and moves on. I think that's a miracle. Amen. You know, like I think that <laughs> I, Emily, I think you're absolutely right. That like, I think miracles are often not what we imagine them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Emily, you said that uh, miracles can sometimes be temporary. And my brain immediately was like, yeah, Lazarus had to die again. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I'm sorry. That's funny. That's so true, though. Yes. Right? Like, he was called forth out of the grave, back to his sisters, back to his family, back to his community. He had to die again, though. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Or, you know what else got me thinking? Now that you bring up Lazarus, I'm thinking of other people in the Bible. Things that, to other people, appear to be a miracle, but the person themselves may have a difference of opinion. Oh, interesting. Can you think of anyone on the top of your head and you may not because they're a woman? Oh, no. Uh, what? <laughs> no. I can think of two, actually. It okay, involves, you go. I'm, it involves I'm not... giving birth. Okay, like birth being a miracle? Yeah, but think okay, about sure. circumstances. Uh, I think of Sarah. Sarah, my God. Okay. (laughs) Like, yes, it was a miracle. But if she was human, which I'm assuming she was, realistically, to have a child at her age, Mm. she might think it was a nightmare at first. (laughs) Like, women who get pregnant at 50, Mm. they may not always be prepared. And they're like, wait, what? Like, uh. And some people would say, oh, what a miracle. But for that person, they would say, well, for who? Mm. Like, I don't have the means. I, I'm not prepared for this. Yeah. Or like Mary, uh, she's now in a situation where she was unwed. She was very young and society was going to look at her very differently. But what a miracle. She brought our Lord and Savior to the world. But initially she's like, you got the wrong lady. I don't think I don't think this is who you really mm. want. Like, are yeah. you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> Would you And I think Steven's question about who are miracles for, that's what got me thinking about that. Well, would you say that if I was to come up with a working definition, would you say this is accurate that a miracle is an event that is unlikely but possible and gives the best outcome for everyone? Yes. Love it. Because like if something just because something's like unlikely but possible doesn't mean it's a good outcome. Sure. And I feel like that focuses on like impact versus like intent, which is like mm-hmm. a whole thing. What do you think, Stephen? Yeah, I don't mind that. I think it also. I think with that definition, it doesn't assume that a miracle has to be something supernatural, but it can still be like Ooh. kind of unexplainable. Good point. Like I've had unexplainable moments. I'm not convinced they were supernatural miracles. But they were kind of weird, you know? Completely. I, we can't talk about this too much because that's my next topic, actually. <laughs> I, that's coming later. Um, I have been thinking about miracles in the context of Christianity this whole episode. But I think that sells the concept short. Okay. Uh, my concept or what you're thinking about? No. Uh, no, I, the, the idea of miracles, even operating with this definition of unlikely yet possible and brings about the best outcome for all. Um, I don't, I don't think Christians should be stingy with the idea of miracles can happen through the faiths of other, uh, like world traditions Mm. is what I'm saying. Like, I don't think God is stingy with it and wouldn't be. 
But I started thinking about this when we were kind of talking about like the, the pitfall of, Oh, well, did they, did they believe it enough? And honestly, it came up for me with your first story, Josh, of you, Josh, full of faith coming off a conference high, wanted to pray for your friend and you prayed over and over and nothing happened. And that was very discouraging. And I think some Christians would look at that and be like, well, did he want to be healed? Did he want it enough? Like, Mm. I think there is a, like, I think Jesus, Jesus even does that to the guy who is sitting on the side of the pool of Siloam and is like, what do you want? What do you want from me? Like he asks, he doesn't just like heal or something. Like he kind of like almost makes him admit Mm. that he wants healing. You see where I'm going there? Like, yeah, I see where you're going, but I, in my experience, I think that that kind of theology is now pretty rare. Like, I think that some people do hold to that idea that like your, the amount of faith or belief that you have is what causes your healing to work, whether it's for you or for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think very few, I don't think many people would explicitly teach that anymore. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure some people do, but like, I think that a lot of people have strayed away from that because mm-hmm. I think even people who believe in healing and miracles, like recognize the toxicity well, that that causes. Well, that, that even happens. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the movie that we watched the finger of God a little bit for this example, but that even happens when Heidi Baker is trying to heal or like not heal, but like she wants to pray for a Muslim woman standing in her threshold. Yeah. And the local pastor who is translating for her is like, no, we can't pray for her. She's not a Christian yet. Like she has to be a Christian first. She has to like acknowledge Jesus Christ. Like we can't pray for a Muslim and give them healing or give them a miracle because it's for us. And that Mm. is the vibe. I'm like, I I just, I can't like, I'm on Baker's side in that instance. Cause I'm just like, what Mm. are you doing, dude? Like, God is not stingy here. I don't think, especially with this working definition of unlikely possible and best outcome for all people. Uh, I don't like the, the elitism that sometimes comes through Christians regarding miracles. Yeah, I hear that. I also think that there, um, and I, I don't think that this happens with everybody who believes in miracles, but I think one of the social dynamics that, tends to be produced in a lot of these circles is an elitism among people who get associated with being able to heal people. Oh Um, yeah. I think it it creates like a very unique, like authoritarian structure that honestly, most people would deny in terms of like, no, like we all have the same access to God. Like we can all pray for healing. That's what it's all about. But like, if you like part of the reason that like a lot of Pentecostal revivals become so popular is because like people go to them believing they will be healed by that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they're the faucet and not by their pastor or themselves. It's just, yeah. Or, it's distributed by this. Yeah. Because that person has a unique anointing, even though we can all pray for healing. This person has a unique anointing for healing backs or cancer or yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. And I, I think that that creates a very unique type of religious elitism too like yeah you would want to get the guy to speak at your church that brings gold dust all the time whenever he prays like <laughs> man i wonder where that guy is now where is he that's a great question where is he we need to harvest some of that Ugh. oh i had a question for emily but it escaped me oh no pray come for back. it with me to come back yeah make it a miracle are you worthy of my prayer for that though <laughs> <laughs> Emily? No. Just kidding. Of course you are. You, um, gave, you gave me such a beautiful prayer regarding my, uh, my, my water apology. You needed it. <laughs> you needed it, she says. Rude. I think where I've come to land, and honestly, I think that this happened pretty soon for me after ministry school, although I can't think of it like a specific moment. But I, I think where I land now is I think that the body and the mind can do very strange and complex things that are unexplainable. And Mm -hmm. cancer goes into remission spontaneously. And like arms get better. Like the the human body is so amazing and resilient. Some people get better, some don't. And I think that if people want to associate their faith and uh, attribute a spiritual mechanism and function to their 
experience of healing, I think that can be healthy, even if I don't believe that scientifically God intervened and Mm -hmm. caused particles to shift, and that's what healed your arm. Mm -hmm. Would you say, okay, here's here's a question for you both. Would you say that regardless of someone's explanation of miracle, like whether it's like something similar to my own or someone who believes God is literally intervening, would you say that those unlikely miraculous circumstances are somehow evidence of God or God's love or something along those lines? Or is that inherently harmful? Um, I think that you don't need to look so hard to find evidence of God's love. However, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that can be an expression of divine love as long as we're all on the same page about if it doesn't deliver that doesn't negate god's love i am like it's not even an i are yep. it's not an indicator of god's like getting off on being withholding or whatever you know like i think it's all god's love i guess there's my universalist take for the episode okay see like i can get on board with that but i also think that's a really hard and complex pill to swallow like i think it's easy to tell someone Hey, if you got healed, that's evidence of God's love. I think it's a harder sell to be like, and if you don't get healed, God still loves you. Yeah, agreed. Like, it's it's hard. Welcome to my job. <laughs> <laughs> get him. Get him, Emily. What do you think, Emily? I, I, I am with Stephen 110%. Absolutely. You don't need to look that hard to see God's love. But I think that can be an expression of God's love. God loves you. No. God loves you. How does, uh, how does VeggieTales end? Something, something, and he loves you very much. Remember, kids, God made you special, and he loves you very much. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. That was really good, Josh. That was wonderful. Really good. Do you feel like I sounded more like Bob the Tomato or Larry the Cucumber? You sound like they had a baby together. Mm. That's right. That's right, I do. An, an unholy union, as it were. Maybe they did. <laughs> the the cumato. Nope. The cumato. Nope. Never mind. Never. Nope. Sh- don't nope. say that and, again. Nope. Anyway, uh, back to miracles. Um, I <laughs> I think that it is possibly. I think it risks being inherently harmful to like have the theology of if you get healed, that is evidence that God loves you or. Because it's like, not only am I like very skeptical and like think that spontaneous things that are currently unexplainable to us can happen and that that's good and that you can spiritualize that. But I also think that I just think it, it like it risks so much to potentially put the psychological weight on someone that they're not going to get healed, that they're not getting healed by God. Like, I just think it, it like... Like, I feel fortunate enough to, like, not suffer from chronic illness or, or like, physical disability. And, like, I cannot imagine the psychological pressure of hoping that God would heal me and knowing every day that God is not. And I think it's like a, I don't know. Like, I agree with, I, I agree with what both of you are saying in that, like, I don't think we have to look so far to see God's love. And I, I think that experiencing any form of healing, whether we believe it was divinely caused or not, can be taken as an expression of God's love. But I, I think that people like I, I think people often aren't taught like the nuance there. Mm. And maybe yeah. it would be better if they were. I don't know. Even when I believed in miracles very heavily, like and like praying and seeking the supernatural, I was, I guess what you would call healed from a very severe wheat allergy circa 13 or 14 like i used to go into do you guys know this about me i used to go into anaphylaxis if i ever ate wheat whoa what i didn't yeah. know that that's what i do with peanuts Fre- well, do you yeah oh my god Very i'm allergic. so sorry i'm glad i didn't give you a peanut syrup instead of that apple syrup um oh yeah i i wouldn't have accepted yeah, it well i mean friendly reminder that emily and i don't know each other either yeah except fair. for this <laughs> podcast i also didn't know about the weed allergy though i also didn't know so yeah, that and we true. know each other a little better we do 
We've known each other longer. Yeah, we out. learned recently when I got extremely drunk when you were over right before Thanksgiving that we actually met in middle school and don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> we totally did. We played lightsabers in the field of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's great on Broadwater. It was glorious. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um. Anyway, you were miraculously healed of a wheat allergy. Yeah, 100%. And so I like went... I, I had gone into anaphylactic shock a couple times as a kid, and then we like learned how to manage it better. And then progressively, my tolerance just grew. And one day on a train, I ate a burger when I was like, I think 14. And I was like, you know what? If I die, I die. And I did it. And I didn't die. And Train is a crazy place for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> what the? Um, and I've never had a reaction since. And like, I absolutely... Like during high school and after high school, at least for a year or two, um, I absolutely believed in miracles. And what is interesting to me now, and I haven't really thought about this before, I literally never interpreted that happenstance as a miracle from God. No one prayed over it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure my parents prayed for me for it sometimes, but there wasn't like a service where we were like casting out my weed allergy or anything. But yeah, it's I gone. Mean, people outgrow allergies. Exactly. Very commonly. Actually. <laughs> so like I could take that, I think, as like God's Proof. love or yeah. like, you know, whatever. But I, I I still think it's an unfortunate psychological position to put people in when we like set them up to expect divine intervention and then it doesn't happen. I I just think that it it, it has so much potential to just psychologically wreck people. Oh yeah. That's my opinion. Wonderful. Wow. Emily, is this what you wanted out of a conversation about miracles? Oh, absolutely. It was a miracle that we even... Wow. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, any benediction or another prayer for us? I think miracles can be beyond healing. I think miracles can be simple interactions. And sadly, I think miracles are also the things that we tend to maximize and minimize at the same time. And so my hope and my prayer is that we see the miracle that is life, the miracle that is friendship, and the miracle that is life-giving theologies and the ways that we can continue to dive deep in our faith and come to wonderful conclusions that maybe we let things go or maybe we take things up and know that God loves you. 